Indigenous Rights Radio, because knowledge is power. Cultural survival covers indigenous issues worldwide. As part of this work, our team joined the international negotiations of the 12th session of the Intersessional Workgroup on Article 8J relating to traditional knowledge, innovation and practices of indigenous peoples under the Convention on Biological Diversity or CBD from November 12 to November 16th in 2023 in Geneva, Switzerland. Cultural Survival's Brian Wishku met with Johanna von Braun. Hi, my name is Johanna von Braun. Um, I work for the International Land Coalition. Um, we are a global coalition of about 300 members uh, in both the global north and global south, uh, working on people-centered land governance with a strong focus on tenure security and, and territorial rights and land rights. About half of our members are people's organizations, but that's why how we refer to them. It's essentially constituency-based organizations, um, which we split in five different constituencies, and one of them is indigenous peoples. So we have about uh, 33 indigenous peoples organizations, and um, the way we work is we we have um, we support the constituencies through um, advocacy, international advocacy. In different fora, we um, generate data on land governance, on land rights that we use for international advocacy. And then we have, on in 30 countries, national land coalitions that, that works in, in, in the form of multi-stakeholder platforms on supporting improved land governance and land rights in, in different countries. Johanna has been sharing some very interesting data on indigenous people's land tenure during the negotiations in Geneva. We asked Johanna to share some of that data with our audience. So, um, some of the th- one of the things that we're doing is we have a geospatial platform called Landmark, uh, where we map um, and support indigenous peoples as well as local communities, but separately um, their lands and territories. Um, and um, as part of this work, but also because the data that we have available globally is, we know that. Uh, indigenous peoples um, uh, control or should control and govern um, up to, and there are different data that's, that's speaking to this, between 30 and 50 percent of global territories, but of that only 10 percent is formally recognized. And that matters because we also know, and this is why we're here in, the con- in, in, in negotiating under the Convention on Biological Diversity, is that areas that are under control of indigenous peoples tend to have uh, better biodiversity outcomes, they tend to be better protected um, and better restored. Land degradation is better reser- reversed in areas which have uh, tenure security. So um, as part of the work, in, if, you, if you're thinking about from a purely conservation perspective, protecting indigenous people's land rights is one of the best things that we can do. Um, and so this is why the link between tenure security and, and conservation of biological diversity and restoration is, is so important. At the meeting, parties were discussing the addition of an indicator to report on the trends in land use change and land tenure in the traditional territories of indigenous peoples. We asked Joanna to tell us why it is important to include this indicator in the monitoring framework of the KMGBF. So, um, 
as you will know, under the newly negotiated global biodiversity framework, we have a, a number of quite strong references on land rights, um, of indigenous people land rights, of the recognition of indigenous peoples uh, and, and traditional territories um, as part of the conservation targets. Um, and this language is something that's very powerful and hasn't been uh, really achieved in any of the other Rio conventions or other frameworks. So we, the, the outcomes of the framework has been celebrated as a success and now we have to design the, the monitoring framework um, that will help us hold governments accountable about how this framework is being implemented on a national level. This is where the land rights, a land tenure indicator comes in because currently the framework as it stands right now um, does not reflect the strong language on land rights and other rights, quite frankly, um, from the global biodiversity framework in the in the in the in the framework, the draft framework that's currently on the table, um, and so land indicators originally was in there, but in a last-minute decision was kicked out of the mandatory what what is going to be the mandatory reporting framework, and so it is very important to bring it back in because only if it's in there we will have national governments being obliged to actually report back on it. Otherwise, we may have nice words in a global framework, but actually no teeth to see it through on the national level. CBD negotiations tend to get highly technical, and most of us tend to get lost in the detail. Nevertheless, indigenous peoples recognize that at the heart of these negotiations are land tenure issues. Joanna told us why we should not lose sight of the importance of land tenure. So one of the reasons I love working on the Convention on Biological Diversity is because unlike, for example, the UNFCCC, which is really focused on emissions, when we talk about biodiversity, it is about land. It's, it's all land-based. If we don't protect the land, we cannot uh, achieve the protection of biodiversity. So um, it is much more focused on land, um, and as a result, the focus on indigenous people's land is so critical. Um, there are certain aims that look at um, protecting a certain amount of biodiversity and this cannot be separated from the protection of the land of indigenous peoples. So tenure uh, is of course as a result really critical because without tenure of indigenous peoples we cannot protect biodiversity uh, be because as I mentioned before the protection that we see from 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 the states tend to be not as effective as the protection from indigenous peoples. So the links between conservation and land are critical and the protection, the links between uh, indigenous peoples and biodiversity is essential. So as a result, you have sort of a beautiful, uh, a, a very strong link between conservation, biodiversity, land and indigenous peoples. Instead, states can do to support um, indigenous people land Kenya is, of course, to make sure that on a national level, um, we uh, that that uh, you, know, you have many countries, for example, that have pretty strong rights frameworks um, that recognize customary land use and customary land rights, but often that's not protected. So that land you can have. Uh, conflicting laws, so you may have strong laws for indigenous peoples, but then you also have laws that give out mining concessions or other concessions that may undermine the same rights that are being granted to indigenous peoples. So one of the best things that states can do is to ensure um, indigenous people land rights are not only there on paper, but they're actually recognized and implemented and enforced. Lastly, we asked Joanna 
what are some of the concrete actions that states can take as it relates to indigenous people's land tenure that will have a direct positive impact on biological diversity? So I think um, first we have to think about what it is that actually could be achieved, right? One is obviously that there are specific rights on land rights recognition. There there are um, elements of the the real recognition of the importance that indigenous peoples play in restoration, conservation and restoration. Um, There are... There is wording in there that calls for the protection of indigenous land rights defenders, um, and those are really important. There's also uh, wording in there that really calls on indigenous peoples to be part of national decision-making when it comes to conservation and restoration, but even more on sort of uh, geospatial planning. And if you look at Target One, it really calls on indigenous peoples to be involved in in land planning of countries. And um, these are days are really, I mean, if they would be implemented, they would be really real achievements compared to where we've been before. Um, the question now is, of course, to what extent that will be implemented on the national level. Um, and here again, the monitoring framework will be critical. So we have opportunities to to and indicators. Um, that allow us to monitor that, that ranging from tenure security, um, land rights, but also from participation in decision-making processes, the question will be, of course, to what extent it will be implemented. So that's going to be the next, the next uh, challenge to really support um, indigenous peoples and other organizations to hold the governments accountable to really implement what has been achieved on the, on the national level. For more on the rights of indigenous peoples, visit cs.org and follow Cultural Survival on Facebook and Twitter.